0: Welcome to the ARPA Animal Shelter of the Week podcast, where we introduce you to incredible organizations around the country that are focused on helping animals. We're proud to be sponsored by Dubert.com. Dubert is a free website designed to connect volunteers with rescues and shelters, and the
1: only site that automates rescue relay transport. Let's meet this week's featured animal shelter.
0: The Heartland Animal Shelter is a registered 501c3 non no-kill animal shelter located in Northbrook, Illinois. They are dedicated to finding homeless pets forever homes while educating the public on the importance of spaying and neutering to help with the pet overpopulation problem. Heartland Animal Shelter offers a safe haven for cats and dogs while they are waiting for their forever home. Hey Stephanie, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Rachel, thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course, we're really excited to have you. You guys are just down the road from me since I'm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, I know you are located in Northbrook, Illinois, We are, um, which are pretty much neighbors. Uh, and so I'm excited to, to learn a little bit about Heartland Animal Shelter. So why don't you kick us off and kind of tell us where you guys are located, what the community's like and how long you've been around?
1: Yes, absolutely. So we are located in Northbrook, as you mentioned, which is a suburb of Chicago. We're about 20 or 30 minutes north of the city, and we have been around since 2002. So in 2002, we were created by Dr. Herbert Prizer, a veterinarian, and so this is our 16th year now, and we've saved now well over 10,000 cats and dogs in need since we were created. So it's been really exciting to celebrate that milestone.
0: Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've done in that in that 16 years? So I know you've rescued, uh, you know, 10,000 animals. What has that progression been like in 16 years? And maybe how long have you been with the organization?
1: So I've been with Heartland for about three years, a little bit less than three years now. I actually began in the medical department. And so in the time that I've been with the organization, we have placed a really um, a growing emphasis on rescuing cats and dogs that are truly in need. They're in desperate cir- circumstances, either because of their health conditions or behavioral issues, or they're just on the euthanasia list at another shelter somewhere else. So that's been sort of our, our evolving focus, and that's where the direction we've taken in the last few years.
0: And so you mentioned you started in the medical side of, of Heartland Animal Shelter. I didn't realize that you guys had a medical um area. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it. Does that mean you have your own vet, your own staff? Tell us a little bit about what that looks like.
1: Yes. So it is very small. When I started, it was just um, me. And then we, we do have veterinarians that we use on an as needed basis. So now we have a medical department with Three three people total, and we have a veterinarian who is part time on staff now. So she does all of our spays and neuters, and all of our special surgeries, but also all of the routine follow up and examinations and things like that. So it's really allowed us to be able to focus more on those tough cases.
0: You know, that's always a challenge with organizations, right? Is whether they can have a medical staff, whether they need to use partners outside of their organization. So I think it's a huge benefit. Has that been something that you've had just since that three years?
1: We've always had um, some medical support with Prizer Animal Hospital, which is the animal hospital next door and where Dr. Herbert Prizer worked until he retired. But this, um, developing our own medical department in house has been new and that's been something that's changed within the last about year and a half or so. And part of the reason was because my, my background was strongly medical. I've been working in shelter, um, animal shelters in the medical department for a long time. So I've always been very interested in those difficult cases. And then um, we, we, yes, we established relationship with other relief veterinarians, and it just it kind of grew. And so now we do have a, it's a very small medical team, but we do have a team that allows us to focus on some of these animals like that.
0: So why don't you tell us a little bit about the community around you guys? You're in a very urban area, right? Just 20 to 30 minutes outside of Chicago. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about what Northbrook is like, um, the kind of cases that you see with the animals, um, how many animals do you receive? I, why don't you give us a little bit of a background on the community that you're in?
1: sure so we are as we mentioned very close to chicago it is um technically the suburbs but we are are close to, to chicago that we have a lot of overlap as well in animals res- rescue and requests and things like that um, in our immediate area, in the in the city of Northbrook, in the suburbs right around us, we do see a lot of um, stray and feral cat issues. The population seems to be growing. In our immediate area, there is actually a void of TNR organizations. There ha- there isn't one um, serving our area right now at all. So that's something that we've been working to establish. So that's kind of primarily the request calls that we get for help is outdoor cats. We also do, because we are close to the city, we work really closely with their municipal shelters and animals that they need to get out who are at risk of euthanasia. So we're in a really unique spot where we are we are suburban, but we are just so closely connected to the city that we're getting some of the same requests and same kind of calls to action as residents of Chicago.
0: Yeah, so, you know, you always think of stray cats right and tnr programs in a in a very rural setting mm-hmm. um so i think that's very that's very interesting to me right that in such a an urban area um that that is a problem for you guys um so you're that it that is becoming a focus area for you
1: it is in um 2018 i Developed this program with some um, volunteers who wanted to help, and so we are we have created our own TNR program, but it's in its very beginning stages. But we do get a lot of calls for um, overwhelmed households. There was one situation that I worked on that was ended up being more than fifty-two cats in a home, and they all needed medical attention, and um, they were just really in in bad conditions. And we we get a lot of calls about populations of cats that have been abandoned. So we also recently worked on an abandoned um, apartment complex and an abandoned barn that had more than 40 cats in those as well. So we we do see this actually quite a bit and um, we're surrounded by TNR organizations and rescues that do this type of work to basically all, all sides, Lake County north of us, Chicago south of us, there's an organization Um, west of us, but no one like kind of right where we are. So we have been developing this program to address that concern.
0: Yeah, so one of the things I know is always challenging is starting new programs, right? And I know you're in the beginning stages of of your TNR program. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've done to date, what you've been able to learn, and and maybe something that people can take away from this um, in how they can get started with a program similar?
1: Yes, for sure. So we just believe fully in being really open and communicative with our community and with our supporters. So we want them to know everything we're doing, what's going on. And we found that people really want to help. So when these situations came up and we had nothing developed and um, for that first household, it was it was just me going there. Um, and I was working with the local police department as well. It's um, We just shared that story. And we said, this is what's going on. I think that a challenge that we have where we are is that we aren't in Chicago. And so sometimes members of our community who love animals, they really want to help, they don't realize that this problems that they hear about the issues, euthanasia, it's not a Chicago issue, it's not a, an issue that's happening in a faraway place, it's really happening in our neighborhood too. So bringing awareness to these issues um really helps get people involved. So my number one suggestion is to just be really transparent with the needs of your organization, what you're working on because you'll find that people want to help and sometimes they just don't realize that you need it or what's going on.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great piece of information. Sometimes we're afraid to ask for help because we're afraid the answer is no, right? right. And I think that's a that's a great that's a great message in that be transparent and just ask, right? The worst right. thing that somebody can say is no. Exactly. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the opportunities that you have for volunteering with your organization. I, I want people to understand, you know, as you mentioned, that if you ask for help and you're transparent that people want to help. So let's talk a little bit about what that volunteering looks like for your organization. How can people get involved?
1: Yes, so people can get involved in a number of different ways. If they want to volunteer directly with the organization, they can visit our website to get more information on our volunteer orientation sessions. We have about 200 active volunteers every week. Um, so those people are walking dogs, socializing cats, cleaning, all, all different numbers of you know, tasks are available. But we also have other opportunities for people maybe who don't live locally and that could be things like helping us with our social media or graphic design other things that can be done remotely and you don't have to be you don't have to live locally to assist and then we also take a number of groups at our shelter to do kind of short-term volunteer opportunities so one of the things that we do is we have Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, Eagle Scouts, school groups, they come in and they do projects for us, um, sometimes with their parents, depending on their age and the tasks that are involved, or things that they can do off-site, like they can help us make our adoption folders, they can um, create toys for the animals, there are just all kinds of ways to help. We also do have corporate groups that come out to help us. So businesses in the area will do like a giving day or week, and they'll come out and help us with projects around the shelter as well. So the the business employees will come, and it's a really great way for corporations to give back as well.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, there were two things that I really love about that is I love the things that you can do off-site, right? You can create adoption folders. I love that idea. I've never heard of that, so I don't know who came up with that, but... (laughs) I love that when you adopt an animal, you get this very personalized folder, right? Um, yes. From somebody who cares about animals just the same way. Um, and so I think the impact and the the connection between people uh, in that regard is fantastic. So kudos to you guys for coming up with such a cool way for, for the little ones to help.
1: Yeah, thank you. And they love doing it. They get to be creative and then just send their love along with an adopted animal.
0: Yeah, I love that. I've worked in the corporate world and you know we we did a lot of volunteer activities, right? Food banks and and drives and things of that nature, but the one thing that really never came up as an opportunity was to volunteer at our local animal rescue or shelter. Um so how did you guys come up with that and and tell us a little bit about where that started, where you're at, how people can get in touch with you. Um I think that's a really cool program.
1: Oh, thank you. That's something that actually started well before I was with the organization but it's expanded recently so our current shelter manager has put a really um, tremendous amount of work into developing these relationships with corporations and school groups and things like that and we found it's just it's so much fun for everybody the groups really enjoy it we appreciate the help the animals love it too you know of course as part of any volunteer opportunity even if they're doing projects they get to spend some time with the animals so it's it's something that has been going on for a long time but we are just it's growing and people are hearing more about it so we're having more and more groups want to help in that way
0: yeah i think that you know you guys are in a great location right um so i love i love that piece of it give us an idea of what they're doing when they're with you are they taking animals for walks are they socializing with cats are they cleaning kennels like give us an idea of what that looks like and and how long does a right? Does a session usually last?
1: Sure. So we have, um, for short-term opportunities, they aren't usually doing things like walking dogs and socializing with the cats. But again, we do have them get to spend some time with the animals as well, but it's usually doing projects around the shelter. So that could mean something, um, it could be routine cleaning, feeding of animals. Definitely that's part of it. But also sometimes we need, um, we'll be trying to improve our yard, for example, and so maybe we wanna um build a new garden area or we want to improve our bird feeders or maybe we just want to organize our storage and make things more efficient so we have more time to spend on the animals so the needs change throughout the year and um, definitely you know every every month is going to have its own priority but we also like to let groups have a little bit of a say in what they'd like to do so sometimes we'll have a large group come in and we'll let people kind of pick their tasks and see what interests them the most for that day and then the the hours are usually, they, they really are flexible, they're just based on the group. But I would say in an average day, it's usually anywhere from two to six hours, depending on the group, and then it could be a one-time thing, or it could be recurring. We do actually have um, the Navy come at once a week and they volunteer for us, which has been such a tremendous help. We're near the Naval base, and so they come in and they do these tasks as well. They do a lot of maintenance for us, and, and it's just such an incredible help and so nice having them around.
0: You know, I'm from Milwaukee, so I know that there's a Great Lakes Naval Base um, right down the road from you, but some people might think that's strange, right? When you sure. say, have the Navy come in, yeah. because you don't think, you know, the Navy is in the middle of the of the United States. <laughs> right. Um, but it is a pretty big base, and so you guys yes. work with them closely, and it sounds like you have regular visits from them.
1: We do. Yep. Once a week they come. It's, um, you know, it rotates, but we see a lot of the same faces and it's, again, it's such a help to us and they are so wonderful to be around and they do such great work, but also it's, really, it gives back to them as well, because keep in mind, they're at this naval base. This isn't where they're from. So a lot of them have pets at home that they're missing, and they've been without their dog or their cat for however long. And so it can be really emotional for them to get to spend time with our animals.
0: Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point. Um, you know, being away from from those furry guys, right, does right. take a toll, right? It's, it's an emotional thing. To, so to be around definitely helps. And, you know, when they're missing their family, I can definitely you can definitely understand that. So that's great that you have a good relationship with them, and, yes. and that you see some of the same you know folks come by um, weekly. So I think that's awesome. We talked earlier about you know the TNR and the the cats being a problem in the community. Are there any other challenges for you guys, or is that is that kind of your main focus at this point? Is trying to help the community with that
1: that is just one of the issues that it really is specific to our very immediate area but I would say in general our largest challenge is the fact that we are in an area in the Chicagoland area that does unfortunately have um, more animals adoptable animals that maybe there are the resources to save or homes available for And so that's always going to be our biggest challenge, is trying to save as many animals as possible um, throughout the Chicagoland area. And so there are municipal shelters, as I mentioned, that we do work with and try to rescue as many cats and dogs from them as possible. And we do that with the help of our transfer partners too. So we're all kind of working together just to save as many lives as we can.
0: So I know the the partnerships is a is a really important piece right and and being in a in a large city like that i i can imagine there's endless numbers of of people to kind of work with so do you guys mainly pull and save animals from like tell us where you get your animals from how do you how do you receive them
1: sure so we are very open we just want to help whoever needs us the most i would say that our cat intakes primarily do come from the street or from um other organizations that did trap cats outside people found strays that that does seem to be our number one intake source and so that's very local um, either in the suburbs or in chicago and then our dogs Primarily, we do take from um, municipal shelters like Chicago Animal Care and Control and Animal Welfare League in Chicago, and so those are, um, you know, municipal traditional shelters. They are sure. not no kill, and so we do try to. Take from there. That's more than fifty percent of our dog intakes. But we also do take dogs from all over the country. So we have transfer partners in other states, especially southern states like Kentucky, where we take dogs from and um, puppies as well. We get a lot of puppies from from down south. That um, because there isn't a lot of spay neuter in these areas.
0: Yeah. No, I definitely agree. And and you know, I've definitely talked with other organizations and. And we know that those Southern states really kind of struggle. So I think it's great that you partner with them, um, and you're able to help them, you know, when you guys have room, how many animals can you guys hold on any given day? And what is that typical turnaround time for you from the time you receive them until their adoption?
1: We can have in house and again, it depends on the number of puppies and kittens, which always fluctuates. But in general, we have around 50 dogs or so in house at a time. And then cats are closer to, 75 to 100 at a time, but we can take as many animals as we have space for, so foster homes are really key. So we do have a foster program, and if we have a foster home available, that's another life we can save. So at our busiest time last year, I think we had close to somewhere between 75 to 100 animals in foster care at once. So those are all just... Um, It's like additional cages in a way, you know, it's an additional space that we can use to save animals. For kittens and puppies, they tend to get adopted really quickly, so pretty much as soon as their vetting is complete, we do, you know, spay and neuter them and things like that before we adopt them out. As soon as their vetting is complete, generally we have a home for them. Um, sometimes during kitten season, it will get a little bit backed up, and so the kittens might may wait a few to several weeks, but those pretty move along pretty quickly, I would say. And then dogs and cats, it really just varies. I think that... For small dogs, young cats, their length of stay is probably just a couple of weeks with us, but the bigger dogs and the older cats do take longer to move through.
0: And I I saw on your website that you guys were the recipient um, of a Gray Muzzle grant. I don't know how long ago that was, but that's a great organization. So it sounds like you do quite a bit of work with senior dogs and cats as well.
1: We do. And and that just goes along with our mission that we just want to help whoever is most in need. And so that may mean someone who is injured, someone who is sick, someone who's older, and we don't want to discriminate based on that. We just want to help. And so we do have a number, a large number of senior animals and um, we want to make sure that we are are setting them up for success in their homes. So that means that when a senior comes to us, we want to get them a full examination, blood work, check a urine sample, we just wanna make sure that they are either you know healthy or that we can figure out if they have any health issues going on so that we can provide support to the adopters the gray muzzle grant has been instrumental in helping us really develop our senior dog adoption program for that reason because they've been able to provide us with the funding and the support to be able to vet our senior dogs completely and really set them up for success in their adoptive homes
0: i think people have either a really soft spot for them right and those are the ones that they tend to lean towards or they're afraid, right? Because it's an emotional ride when you take on a senior pet um, because you know what's coming, right? It happens that much quicker. So I love that you guys are invested in that um, and you were able to get some help from the Gray Muzzle Organization to build out that program. So I think that's, that's really incredible.
1: Yes, we're very grateful. It's been wonderful to have this year.
0: You guys also have, I was che- in checking out your website, you guys have a lot of resources on your website. Why don't you just give us, spend a few minutes and kind of tell us what's out there for the community. And, and if they're looking for help, tell us how they what they can find and, and uh, how you've built that out.
1: Of course, so our website is is relatively new and we're looking to continually add content to that to help people. But we do have a list on our website of area shelters and rescues in case people ever need those resources. We also list area dog trainers that are um, positive reinforcement based trainers, which is what we use at the shelter as well. And this may or may not be on our website, but we also do offer behavioral counseling as well at the shelter for cats and dogs who maybe are struggling in the home or experiencing a challenge or two that we might be able to help with in order to provide that support and keep pets in their homes and um, these a lot of the rescues that are listed on our site as well are partners that we work with and we we have great relationship with area shelters and we really work together to try to save animals and um, collaborate a lot so we will share ideas and information to try to make each other be- better and do as best as we can for the animals. So some of our our partners are are listed on the website as well. There's a lot of good information and we'll keep adding to it.
0: Yeah, I definitely love that. And I also see on here, you guys do pet food recall alerts. Um, you yes. know, sometimes that's a hard thing to do, right? Because you're out there and you're Googling and you're, you're just looking for random stuff. But I love that that's a a dedicated spot that people can go to, you know, when they're concerned about something or they have, you know, worries that they can check right, you know, right on your website.
1: Right. If we hear something, we want people to know, so we try to put a lot of information on our website and also on our social media, so we can keep people really informed.
0: That's a great idea. So we've kind of talked about the community and and some different programs that you have, um, and I, you know, the resources for me is is key that's a huge piece of that so i love what you guys are doing and even though it's a fairly new website i love that you're committed to to kind of building that out and like you said the social media platform is huge and i know you guys do uh you have a lot of interaction um on that as well so that's great
1: yes yeah thank you
0: you know everybody has a favorite story right whether it's happy or sad um do you have a story that that you want to share with us that kind of stands out maybe when you're having a really really hard day And you have to be reminded why you do this. Do you have a story that you go to?
1: I do. Oh, it's so hard to choose one. But of course, I mean, everybody has a story. I foster as well. So I get really involved in some of these animal stories from the beginning also. So um, I will talk about a dog named Booker, who was one of my fosters this year, actually. And Booker is a, a pit bull mix puppy who was brought into Chicago animal sorry Chicago animal care and control in June of 2018 and he had been wandering the streets of Chicago um, with two broken legs so he had a broken front leg and then the opposite back leg was also broken and a police officer found him and brought him into Chicago animal care and control. And we were there and they um, you know they don't have the resources to do this orthopedic surgery or something like that and we saw this poor puppy in his cage just looking so sad and his legs were just wrapped up and um you know he he just needed help and we went there for a different reason but we knew we could not leave him behind so we brought him back to the shelter and I took him into foster care in my home um because I didn't want him to sit at the shelter and while he was waiting for evaluation and and treatment. So we ended up um, taking him to a specialist who found that his both of the legs were in fact broken and unfortunately had been broken on separate occasions and um, showed clear indication that it was an abuse case and he needed surgery on both legs. So I um, kept him for four months while he did his surgeries and his physical therapy and his rehabilitation. He was always throughout the whole thing, and despite everything he went through, just the sweetest, most tender-hearted puppy in the world, and he recovered beautifully, and um, once he was feeling really great this fall, he wanted to be a puppy, and that's when I passed him along to another foster home. (laughs) Once he was nice and healed and ready to run around and jump all (laughs) over the place, I said, I have done my job, Um, so he went to another foster home. With um, a a volunteer of ours who who has another dog at home, and Booker just loved this other dog as well, and they would play all the time, and he just has never stopped enjoying life, and he healed beautifully, and the volunteer just adopted him a couple weeks ago.
0: Nice. Yeah. See, it's all you know. I find so many stories start in a heartbreaking fashion, Mm -hmm. right? Just it's hard to believe that people out there do that, right? right? Um. And wandering the streets of Chicago, I—I I mean, so I know, yeah, I, that's such a big, scary place to be. And a kudos to the police officer who brought Booker in, and to you who fostered, and to the new fo- right, just to everybody involved—the yes. dedication and the resources it took, and that you guys didn't give up on him. And he's, you know, got a new lease on life, and you know, like you said, he's—he's he's just that playful puppy again. Mm-hmm. So. That's a very cool story, and and I like when they have happy endings. So thank you for sharing that.
1: Of course. It was a wonderful, wonderful team effort and such a happy ending.
0: So I know as we get close to kind of wrapping up our time, I do just kind of want to mention that you guys have a couple different ways that people can help support you. Um, You've got the Dr. Dumore piece of this and then the Arlo Fund. Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit about how those started and, and how people can contribute and what that money goes towards?
1: Yes, so we do. We have, um, they're both um, restricted funds that go specifically to each of their own purposes. So the Dr. Dumor Fund was established. Um, it was actually another dog that we had rescued many years ago from Chicago Animal Care and Control named Esther, whose legs were backwards. And so she needed surgery to um, save her life and to become adoptable. And the fund was created at that time. So the fund now, Dr. Dumore, is to help animals like Esther. So that um, could mean animals with any kind of treatable medical conditions so it often does mean surgeries it's um it's tends to be procedures that would be really cost prohibitive for shelters, and so they truly are life-saving surgeries. So if you donate to that fund, that will go toward medical care for animals with special conditions. This fund has grown tremendously over the years, and year after year, we just are able to save more and more animals because of people's donations to this fund.
0: The importance of having a medical fund is, right, it's life-saving in more ways than one, and so I love that you guys have a separate fund set up for that. Uh, I think that's really important. And then tell us about the Arlo Fund.
1: Yes, so the Arlo Fund is, a um, fund specifically was set up in honor of a dog named Arlo who was with us for years. And it's to provide comprehensive care for the dogs at Heartland by giving them enrichment, um, mental stimulation, really taking care of the mind as well as the body. So this fund allows us to develop or continue to develop our enrichment program so that's actually a really key component to volunteering with our dogs in addition to walking them we also want all of the dogs to have enrichment so that they do have that mental and emotional support in what it can be a stressful environment being in the kennel so this includes um, puzzles enrichment toys training um, really anything that can reduce their stress levels and keep their minds engaged and working and really support their emotional health.
0: Again, another another great idea, right? And I love that both of them were created based upon real live situations, right? Yes. Um, so I think that's very cool. I, and I love the stories behind them. And then the last piece is you guys, people can sponsor a kennel, is that
1: right? Right, yes. That can be a cat or a dog kennel so the sponsorship just allows us the cost the donation amount allows us to just again save more animals in need and then you can get a plaque put on a cat or a dog kennel of your choice we have small kennels, large kennels. And that can be in in honor of a person or a pet. It can be in memory of someone. It can be your business. It could be your business's information. It's just a great way to make a generous donation to help the animals and then put out there who it was from or who it was in honor or memory of.
0: Yeah, I love that. You know, we're always, as humans, we're always looking for a way to impact, right? And- to have that visible to other people and and you hope that by you doing it and somebody else sees that you encourage them to also do the same thing. So I love that that's an impact piece for you guys. I yes. think that's a really I think that's a really cool piece.
1: Yes, thank you. People like to do that. It's it's really it's really nice for us to get involved with people in that way as well.
0: Yeah, and and housing so many dogs and cats, right? There's plenty of opportunity um, you know, to put your name or a company name Um, on a kennel. So it doesn't sound like you're going to run out of of space anytime soon. So we definitely want to encourage people to kind of reach out and and check that sponsorship out. Definitely. As we start to wrap things up, then you guys have a couple events coming up that we want to tell the listeners about. So why don't you talk about those uh, briefly?
1: Yes, so we will put all of the details on our website when this all becomes available. But on April 7th, we are going to be hosting one of our signature fundraiser events, which is our Bow Wow Bowling. It is a really fun event at a local bowling alley. And it just, um, we have raffles, we have refreshments, of course, bowling prizes. It's a really fun night and, and a way to support the cats and dogs of Heartland. And then on May 5th, we're having our Cinco de Meow in honor of Cinco de Mayo. And this is put on by our Heartland Young Professionals Board, which is an auxiliary board who also helps us by fundraising and doing community outreach. And this is, the details are being finalized, but this is an event that will be held at a local brewery. And we will have, again, um, refreshments and games and raffles, and it'll just be a really fun time we'll also have animals available for adoption there as well most likely
0: yeah you know i think what i like the most about what you guys are doing is the impact you're having on your community and it it also sounds like you're really engaged with the next generation of animal rescuers out there and so i really love that about you guys
1: yes we think it's really important it's really nice involving just everyone in the community so we want to get everybody involved regardless of age or interest there's something for everybody and a way for everybody to to make an impact.
0: Now is there anything else that we may have missed uh, in our conversation that you want to share?
1: No I think um, it's just important to know that you don't have to live in Northbrook or nearby to support the shelter so people can visit our website which is www.heartlandanimalshelter.org and sign up for our mailing list and then you can be updated on things that are happening with Heartland. You can also follow us on social media, which is facebook.com slash Heartland Animal Shelter. We do have links to Twitter and Instagram there as well, but that will keep you up to date on what's going on locally, events we're putting on, but also ways that people can help from a distance. So we need volunteers and even so much as sharing a post really goes a long way in helping us save more animals.
0: Yeah, it definitely does. Very nicely said, Stephanie. Well, I've definitely enjoyed my time chatting with you. And I, I learned quite a bit, right? We're, we're pretty much neighbors. And yes, I had no yes. idea all of those things were happening in Northbrook. So I definitely appreciate the time and, and the education session. Um, so thank you again for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks for tuning into today's podcast. If you're not already a member, join the ARPA to take advantage of all the resources we have to
0: offer. And don't forget to sign up with dobert.com. It's free and helps automate the most difficult tasks in animal rescue.